Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. This is your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I and my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, here are both smiling. One, because Penn State destroyed Iowa. Two, we're discussing our favorite quotes from the excellent television show community. So how can you not be happy about those two things? Matt, how are you doing? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Bryce Harper, Peyton Manning, Hmm. Tyler Warren. Mm. Do you know what all of these players have in common, Nick? I would love for you to tell me. They were all the first overall pick. I think people really forget that about Tyler Warren. Uh, and he came through and proved he was worthy of that selection uh, with a two-tutty performance uh, in the whiteout. So I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you? Tyler Warren continues to be the... So back when, like running backs in the NFL actually had like full-time jobs and they would be on the field for basically every snap. This is going to be so mean wherever you touch touchdown vultures were like actually a thing, right? Like it was actually a job for a guy like Mike Tolbert to come in and steal, um, touchdowns from LaDainian Tomlinson, whoever, whoever else was on the Chargers at the time. Tyler Warren, I think maybe the first ever like receiving vulture. Like I can't think of a guy who gets as many, short yardage touchdowns without doing a whole else lot in the open field as he does it's pretty wild like the touchdown breakout on like the receiving end like Khalil Dinkins has one before Theo Johnson didn't have that on my board (laughs) for this year uh Tyler Warren leads the team in receiving touchdowns again didn't have that on my board this year Uh, although he is the first overall pick people forget uh it's just uh it's been an interesting uh career so far for Mr. Warren yeah it it is quite something and we'll talk about that in just a moment real quick if you're not already uh subscribed to the podcast please make sure you do so on your podcast platform of choice leave us a five-star review on this episode if you also really enjoy the fact that penn state shut out iowa for the first time in 23 years um it really helps get us in the ears of other listeners like us follow subscribe hit the alert bell all that good stuff on youtube as well we of course are here to discuss penn state's 31 to nothing win over the iowa hawkeyes in front of the second largest crowd in beaver stadium history on Saturday night. That was 110,830 people packed into those stands. Very impressive, especially when you consider the fact that it was raining for basically the entire game. Um, You know, the scoreline says enough about what happened in this one, but uh, Penn State, total yardage on the day, 397 yards, 182 through the air, 215 on the ground. Iowa, 76 yards, 56 through the air, 20 yards on the ground. Penn State had 28 first downs. Iowa had four, and two of those came in garbage time. Penn State controlled the ball for 45 minutes and 27 seconds. Iowa controlled the ball for 14 minutes and 33 seconds. Yes, that is less than a quarter's worth of possession, and that is largely helped by the fact that Penn State basically had the ball the entire third quarter of this game. Matt, I just want to start off here with what were, you know, as the clock wound down in this one, as Bo Prabula continued to slice through the Iowa defense like it was Swiss cheese, which he apparently just, you know, that's just the thing now. Bo Prabula just gets to truck his way through defenses for the end of every game. What were some of the first thoughts that came into your mind as that clock wound down on Saturday? Uh, Brian Ferentz is not qualified to have the job. <laughs> he has. Uh, it's. I, I made a point that it's, wildly offensive to a, a slew of people that he's allowed to have that job. It's offensive to the Iowa players, the Iowa coaching staff who aren't Ferences, uh, all of the young play callers who could probably have that job and succeed in it. 
Uh, and I think that we just, uh, I think that might have been the nail in the coffin of not only Brian, but of Kirk. Like, I if think you want to hear the loud version of what Matt just said, make sure you go listen to the solid verbal recap of this past week because good friend of the pod, Ty Hildenbrandt, went off on what he thinks about the Ferentz family. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was bad, and the defense uh, was offended by the idea of having to be on the field for Penn State. Nick, do you know how many total tackles Penn State logged on Saturday? It was, I mean, must I mean Iowa only ran what twenty or thirty three plays, so it maybe like twenty five tackles. Nick, they had less than twenty five tackles. They had t- <laughs> including special teams. Nick, they had twenty four total tackles. Goodness, that's unheard of this defense it was dominant and like played what does that come out to nick oh my god my quick calm math that's under eight plays a, eight plays a quarter they were mm-hmm. on the field for or tackles a quarter that's absolutely insane and unheard of and that's a dominant defense meeting maybe the worst offense in modern power five history right there that's what that was the defense deserved to play as little as possible because Iowa's offense did not deserve to be on the field because Brian Ferentz did not deserve to be working that kind of game. Uh, it was a dominant performance by Manny Diaz and company. And tip of the hat to the offense as well. They controlled the clock. They played the game they wanted to play in sloppy conditions. And I think Penn State made a very big statement that is going to be overlooked because of what a great college football Saturday it was. Awesome day. But Penn State really went out there, and I, I honestly think, Nick, I think Penn State had the win of the weekend. Obviously, I'm biased, but mm. a four-score win over a Power 5-ranked opponent is about as dominant as you can ask for. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the obvious, you know, devil's advocate to that would be, like, should Iowa have been ranked? Um, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, I know for me, Matt, the first thing that I thought of as – you know, as the fourth quarter was going and as this one was coming to an end, I think my first thought was just like this Penn State team is n- I don't like I don't think they're we're ever going to really see them force anything like they seem very happy to win. However, you would like them to beat you on that given day. Like yes. we saw them these last two weeks against Illinois and Iowa. They have been perfectly content to, you know, say, it's fine. We don't need to take those big explosive plays today. We'll just, you know, chew it up on the ground and chew you up in the mid-range of the passing game. Like, they're they're totally fine doing whatever it is that's handed to them, which makes sense with given what we know about Mike Yersich, right? Like, we know, yes, we know that Penn State does really strive to be the more explosive football team, but we also know, like, Mike Yersich's whole offensive philosophy the whole deal with the the check with me is on every single play is that they're just trying to get into what they think is the perfect um, response to what they see from the defense. It's not necessarily just, here's our best play. Let's figure out how to make it work. They're much mm-hmm. more about how can we beat what we see on the defense right now? So in that regard, it makes sense that Mike Yersich would be like, yeah, that's fine. You want to give us, you know, Katron Allen up the gut for seven yards. Cool. Yeah, we'll take that. That's fine. We'll do that all day. Um, I think that was that was my big takeaway from this one, and the other one being this defense is awesome. Like they're not the biggest group. They're like you will see bigger defenses in college football, but you will be hard pressed to find one as fast and as athletic as what Manny Diaz's unit is bringing to the field every Saturday. 
And it's just wild to me how the Diaz defense loves to create turnovers and exist in chaos. It was four interceptions against Illinois, and then it was four fumble recoveries the next week against Iowa. They're getting their turnovers in different ways. It's not all one guy. It's multiple players getting involved and making these plays. It's strip sacks. It's knocking the ball loose on like extended tight end screens. I guess we'll call whatever that play was to Eric Hall. It's their the defense is finding unique and different ways and relying on everybody to make plays as opposed to relying on one guy to make plays like yeah this just feels like a different caliber of team and nick we can kind of get into more big picture stuff you know a little bit later on but i when i loop back quick on your offensive point can you name a time where Penn State could legitimately actually do whatever they wanted against a top five sp plus defense Whatever Penn State wanted to do that mm. night, I feel confident they could have done. And what they wanted to do was have 12 play drives. I can't really remember all that many 12 play drives in Penn State history in the last couple of years. And it feels like they can go out there on any given Saturday and produce a long clock killing backbreaking drive. And it's great to see that they can do that, you know, in a vacuum of it being one series because they were able to go out there and do it for basically 45 minutes of football. On that point, we should. I, 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 it's very fun. So I'm gonna go ahead and read Penn State's, you know, drive charts on the night. First, first drive, three plays, one yard punt. Then 17 plays, 50. That was too far away. 17 plays, 53 yards field goal. Three plays, two yards punt. 10 plays, 39 yards touchdown. 10 plays, 31 yards punt. Four plays, seven yards punt. Two plays, four yards end of half. 15, 15 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 12 plays, 71 yards, touchdown. 8 plays, 19 yards, touchdown. 10 plays, 62 yards, missed field goal. And then the 3 play, 16-yard drive, end of game. So even on the drives where they weren't scoring, they were still holding the ball, eating clock. And yeah, you'd like to score points on every drive, but when you know that you're allowing your defense to stay as fresh as they are, and you know how much Iowa's offense struggles, the longer you can keep them out of the, f- uh, you can keep that defense on the field. The more it's going to soften them up for later on, and that's what we saw in the second half because it was just an avalanche once they came back on the field for the second half of this one. Wild. Yeah, the Iowa defense looked gassed, and Penn State's offense looked disciplined, uh, controlled, uh, and and being led by a true freshman and having no turnovers yet. Uh, through four games, the only team in the country who can claim that is a unbelievable spot to be. Yeah, and I unlike, um, well, I guess there's the Caden Saunders muffed punt could have very easily been a to- turnover. But on you know on the Drew Aller side of things, against Illinois, probably could have been a couple picks. West Virginia could have been a couple picks, but I can't remember anything in this one that I thought ah that was probably not not a great decision that could have easily gone the other way. I think it was you know pretty clean overall in that regard. Yeah. He took care of the football. You know, he had a couple of throws that were definitely tight windows. The Dinkins touchdown on fourth down um, was a dart. That was the only spot the tight end could get it. The Warren touchdown was in between two defenders. And, you know, Tyler Warren, first overall pick, has outstanding ball skills. So it was great to see that he understands that you can make, quote unquote, high risk throws when you're that level of quarterback, that's yeah. that's the kind of thing I've been talking about for like two years about this guy. It's not the fact that he's not going to put the ball at risk. Of course, he's going to put the ball at risk. But the amount of leeway his arm gives him to make risky throws 
is just different than we've seen at Penn State in a long, long time. And he showed it out there on Saturday. He, you know, didn't even throw for 200 yards, I don't think, but four nope. touchdowns because all of them were basically dimes. You know, yep. the, the Dinkins touched on the first one, dime. Second one to Warren, which is just beautiful play design. They ran the same play at Rutgers in 2022, uh, where Clifford actually hit Tyler Warren in basically the exact same spot. So they've run that play before. Uh, the Warren touchdown was great. And then I love on first and goal after LeVar Woods, uh, I think maybe had a guy fake jumping over uh, alignment or something like that. I don't know. He I did go say. over. Yeah, yeah, he went over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just lob it up and over there into Keandre Lambert-Smith on first and 10. Because you know, if you wanted to, you can just run it four times and get a touchdown at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that he's giving Aller an opportunity to go out there and make plays. Your such is. Uh, so it was just a really, really great performance from the sophomore quarterback. And I I don't think he's not not the best quarterback in the Big Ten so far. Yeah, yeah. We'll see on that. I... Yeah, you know, we'll kind of use this as the jumping off point to roll into our next thing here, just our overall thoughts on the offense. And I guess I'll start by saying, you know, it's um, watching Drew Aller throw the football, particularly like as Penn State's game ended and we rolled into just, you know, I, I just continued watching college football all day as I, as I had been. Even when you see guys like, say, like Michael Penix at Washington, having an outstanding year, had an outstanding year last year, should be a top contender for the Heisman, has a fantastic arm, um, should absolutely be in consideration for a relatively high NFL draft spot um, in this upcoming draft. But even against a guy like that, who I would say has pretty, maybe not elite arm talent, but close to it, even the discrepancy between those two, the juice that Aller puts on his throws stands out. Like, it's it's said so often, like it, it's almost a football cliche at this point, but the best quarterbacks, those elite arm strength guys are the ones that can throw those like 15 yard out routes on a rope. And Drew Aller does that like five times a game to the it's point wild. that I, I, I'm getting spoiled with it. Like you turn on another game, other quarterbacks aren't doing that across the country. Like J.J. McCarthy has a pretty strong arm, but J.J. McCarthy isn't doing that. Like th- this is not something that, quarterbacks in college are normally able to do and the fact that drew aller has the arm strength to do stuff like that is such a luxury for this team yeah it's uh it's like the perfect quarterback for what your wants your loved yeah. big arm quarterbacks when he was in oklahoma state uh and this is what it looks like in 2023 so you know i'll kind of just dive into my overall thoughts on the offense as a whole i think it was a really great idea to make this more or less a katron allen game him mm-hmm. getting the start him getting a ton of drives against the physical defense i think really played to penn state's advantage that first drive was honestly really disgusting that's a heck of a punting job from tory taylor all night long uh and i think after that Allen really settled in and just took what he was given on pretty much every single play, fell forward, took advantage of uh, an Iowa front that could be pushed around late in the game, and then the change of pace with Nick Singleton to come in and had, I think, maybe one of the better runs of his career. It's not a touchdown or anything like that, but he took what the defense gave him when he realized there was nothing left. He put his foot in the ground, went upfield, and gained more yards than he would have, I think, as a freshman. That was great. Offensive line, I think, did a great job in pass protection. I think the receivers did a pretty good job working to get open. There's got to be drop things still have to be cleaned up, but wet ball, gross game, I get it. Um, and just overall, 
the amount of guys they got involved, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Dante Cephas, um, Harrison Wallace played, didn't really make all that big of an impact, but you mentioned Washington. Washington has what, Nick? Two guys who are probably going to go in the first round at wide receiver? Maybe three? Uh probably more like one, but they have three like NFL starting NFL caliber receivers. Yeah. Penn state probably has one right now in Keandre Lambert Smith. So for Aller to go out there and doing what he's doing with these pass catchers that are good, but not like that top, top, top elite level just yet just makes it all that much more impressive. And I love that in a gross rainy day, the passing game got to be the star with four touchdowns against Iowa. I tried to go back and find who was the last quarterback to throw for four touchdowns against Iowa. Um, it turns out it's actually super recently. Nick, do you know who it is? Uh, four touchdowns against Iowa. Is Iowa in the... I don't know. Just tell me. It was CJ Stroud last year. Like It, okay, I, it, yeah. it, quick, it quickly turned into an activity that was over in like 15 minutes. <laughs> I was yeah. pretty bummed about that. Um, but, I mean, think about it. If, you know, if we're talking about Drew Aller in the same breath as CJ Stroud, things are probably going pretty well. And I'm not saying sure. he's at that level just yet. But, again, this had the kind of game that just screamed Penn State was going to win 17 to, like, 11. And Penn State's running backs each have to have, like, 26 carries. And it just wasn't that because it didn't have to be. And mm-hmm. that just makes this offense so much more interesting to me that they can beat you in so many different ways. Overall in the day, Drew Aller, 25-37, 166 yards. Like you said, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Bro, Bo Pribula also one for three of 16 yards. Should have been three for three. Drop passes by Malik McClain and mm-hmm. uh, Amari Evans. Um, so good for Bo getting out there throwing the football. Katron Allen, good 21 carries. Yeah. 21 carries, 72 yards, uh, only 3.4 average on the ground, no touchdowns. Uh, Bo ran for 55 on eight. Singleton, 17 carries for 49, only 2.9 yards per carry. So really not an efficient day for the running backs, but they it didn't require them to be efficient, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, Trey Potts, also three carries for 17 on the ground. Keandre Lambert-Smith. He's Smith got some wiggle. Led. Potts has more wiggle yeah. than I realized. He It was yeah, cool to watch him run at the end of that game. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a... V- a legitimately solid running back. I could very, very much see him being a bit more involved with the game plan as it goes on, and they want to keep guys fresh and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith led the way with eight catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown on that beautifully thrown fade. Um, Theo Johnson, six catches for 42. Good to see him really get involved and be more a part of the game plan in this one. Liam Clifford. Very, very quiet six-catch outing. Like, yeah, I would yeah, have said somewhere in, like, the three to four range, very quiet six-catch outing. Those, he had those first day. two, and then he mm-hmm. kind of... They, they were kind of just like here and there, like nothing consistent yeah. from that on, but um, good night for him. Liam Clifford, two catches for 17 yards, had that really nice uh, first down on, I think it was a third down conversion. Um, like you mentioned, Trey Potts, Cephas, Tyler Warren had two touchdowns, Khalil Dickens had a touchdown, K. Allen, Nick Singleton, all those guys caught passes. So very active day for the Penn State offense again. I think it's going to continue to be a theme that we see, both because, one, Drew Aller has proven to be really good at moving through his progressions, and, you know, seems to trust everyone well enough that he's willing to throw the ball. And two, you know, aside from Keandre Lambert-Smith, they're still trying to figure out who those other go-tos are. Like, it'd be great to see Cephas step up, step up as one of those guys. Uh, Harrison Wallace was becoming that, but he's had some injury stuff the last couple of weeks. I think Matt said that he saw he got rolled up on at one point in this game, said it didn't look great, so we'll have to wait and hear about his status. But um, overall... Really nice game for the offense as far as as far as spreading the ball around and just doing what they needed to do, um, and that's kind of the big takeaway for me was that they, you know, they didn't 
try to push and stretch to do anything they didn't need to do aside from maybe the running backs early like singleton and katron yep. both definitely tried to bounce some things outside that they didn't need to they should have just you know burrowed forward and gotten those easy yards rather than looking for the, the big stuff but um I wouldn't even necessarily put that as much on them as like the really the only thing for me was that the run blocking was mostly okay. Like it wasn't outstanding. The pass blocking by the offensive line I thought was outstanding, but the run blocking oh was just Oh my god. Olu is unbelievable. Olu yeah. is unbelievable in pass protection. The one the one uh replay they showed where they showed his entire uh his entire protection on the play. He's basically, I don't know who the Iowa defensive end was at that point. He's basically just holding him back with one arm. Like he's, oh, he yeah. like shoves him back with the one arm, lets him bounce back, waits for him to re-engage, and then just shoves him back. It was just total, as dominating as an offensive lineman can be. It was awesome, awesome to watch. So I, that's that's it for me. Like it's, they they didn't force anything they didn't have to. They took what was there. Aller wasn't outstanding, but he was in control. Like he made the throws he needed to make. And, you know, the run blocking just needs to get shored up a little bit. That's been true for the last couple weeks. But overall, I thought it was pretty awesome for the offense. They're they're getting there. Like it's gonna get yeah. to a point where somebody I disagree, Nick. I think Aller was outstanding. For a okay. true sophomore to not turn the ball over against what was the SP plus Absolutely. number one rated defense, like I understand that there's a lot of ideas that like Aller has to perform like a first round pick right now. He doesn't like he has to perform. I've said 5% better than Sean Clifford. I think he's at like 10% better than Cliff was right now. And it's taking the offense to a new level. Like I think what Aller's doing, being in command, the no turnovers, I know there's been interceptable passes, but every quarterback has interceptions that could be dropped, drop on top of the ones that actually have intercepted. Like it's just a, He's a different level of quarterback. Like, and again, maybe I'm just thinking too highly of him because I really want to believe in this kid. But he's like, when you see a guy go out there and play four games of football, three of them against power five opponents, two of them against conference foes who each went to a bowl game last year, and you have no turnovers is un like unheard of. I, if I would have told you that, Nick, it, back in like September 1st, you wouldn't have believed me that Penn State would be the only team in the country without a turnover yet. Like, yeah, probably not. the fact that we're here just says that he's just, although the stats may not look like it, for what he's being asked to do, he's playing about as perfectly as I could really hope for. And that looks like not like, you know, first round Heisman ceremony, you know, stats right now. But again, in what he's being asked to do, I can't imagine doing it much better than he's doing it. No, yeah, I totally agree. He's he is filling he is exactly filling the role that he is being asked to fill 100 percent agree mm-hmm. with that i yeah i mean it's yeah i i have i have no complaints about what i've seen from drew aller so far at all he's yeah. been he's been great it's been mm-hmm. it's been really awesome to see mike yersich really like open things up a bit with the offense too again i've mentioned this before i really liked what sean clifford was doing offensively especially towards the end um because i just felt like his his command of the offense and knowledge of the playbook allowed him to do a lot of special things. But Drew Aller, in the same way that that was a huge advantage for Clifford, Drew Aller's arm talent is a huge advantage for him, and it allows him to do some very special things. And it allows Mike Yersich to call some plays that you can't call with most quarterbacks. Like we said, like mm-hmm. he has the arm that allows you to pretty much bust out anything you want to from your playbook. And that, you know, <laughs> Mike Yersich has to be having just an absolute blast this year. 
Oh my God. I can't even fathom. <laughs> um, I think somebody else who's probably having a blast right now, Matt, is anybody who's rocking the, uh, or soon to be rocking the Penn state 1994 Rose bowl hoodie from, uh, our friends over at home field apparel. Have you seen it? It's gorgeous. Dude, it's fire. That shade is like, unlike anything I've ever seen for Penn state merchandise. It looks yeah. awesome. It is fantastic. If you did not see Homefield released uh, new apparel for both Penn State and Iowa in the lead up to this one. Um, so it is available now on homefield homefieldapparel.com if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, like I said, it's an homage to the 1994 team that went to the Rose Bowl. It's just a it's a it's a gorgeous shirt. Any any physical description I could give you would not do it justice, so please go check it out for yourself. And if you do check it out, if it's your first time ordering from homefieldapparel.com, you can use the code RLR23 for 15% off of your very first order. Yes, you heard me right. 15% off. It's a great deal. They have that. They also have a lot of other Penn State merchandise that's well worth your time checking out. Uh, I know we are both huge fans of Homefield. They've been great friends to the podcast for quite a while now. And, you know, just what they do is just so unlike every other apparel company out there. And they're, you know, they are the premium collegiate apparel brand for a reason. There's a reason that if you say home field apparel, every college football fan knows exactly who you're talking about. So please make sure you go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use that code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. Especially make sure you check out that new Rose Bowl hoodie from the 1994 team. It is gorgeous something else that was gorgeous matt was watching the penn state defense go to work on saturday night we've talked about him a bit already but 76 total yards allowed are you kidding me and what was it like 18 of them came on a, a scamper that i think just curtis jacobs over pursued on which i get like mcnamara is really probably not a threat to run especially yeah. on a bum thigh or hip whatever his injury is his, um, uh, you I know it's his quad it, yeah yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it sucks that, you know, he overpursued, but I, I get why he did it. That's a safe bet. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get burned, get burned. That's fine. Uh, it was dominant. This is the best defense, I think, in the Big Ten right now. They're playing mm. at such a high level. They're creating havoc plays. The defensive ends are finally hitting their stride. Chop Robinson, who had a quote after the game talking about the Iowa coaching staff, who like made fun of Penn State players for quote unquote faking injuries, uh, and Chop not even being on the roster at that point, and him taking it that personally, uh, just shows that he's a different level of competitor. I thought Adisa Isaac played a great game. Amin Vanover got involved. Zariah Fisher recovered a fumble. The edge rushers here are the story to me. And Nick, I had it pulled up, and I, I forgive me, give me a second while I try to track it down, but it's like, is it 87 rushing yards total, Nick, that Penn State's given up in the last two weeks? Oh, boy, it's let's something. see. Okay, so this it's week was something 20. Like that. Last week they allowed against 67, Illinois. 67, I want to say. I think it's 87 in the last two weeks, which... They allowed 78 a... on the ground last week. Okay, was it? Oh, okay, interesting. Was that net like including the tackles for loss as well that is team stat output on espn that's what i got up here hmm, interesting okay uh regardless it's under 100 yards in the last yeah. two games against teams that going into the year nick i think we both were afraid were going to be kind of mini michigan tests with how they run the football and can penn you State's remind me what our one question was about the penn state defense coming into this year uh it, well first of all it was probably if they could stop the run if they yeah, were big yeah, enough yeah. to stop the run and i think i think they've answered the bell the last two weeks i think they're really starting to deliver i think west virginia was a great way to prep you look at how west virginia is winning football games which first of all neil brown good for you for yeah. coaching to keep your job three and one with you know two power five wins is a great way to start but mm -hmm. that team is very clearly a very run heavy team 
That's a very yeah. run-first offense, and they're really good at it with that interior offensive line. Delaware, you take out that 67-yard run, which had a you know a blown assignment by Tyler Elston, who's now kind of you know serving a little bit of a smaller role moving forward. Uh, you know, and, and what what did they really accomplish? So yeah. I think that this Penn State front has taken a step to the next level. And we already knew the secondary was going to be dominant. And again, they really didn't have to be tested at all because Iowa couldn't, you know, do anything like pass protect primarily. They couldn't really <laughs> do that well. Uh, but this is just a unit that I think is really hitting their stride. And I'm excited to watch them tee off again against Northwestern this weekend and then see what they can do against Kyle McCord, a quarterback who I think definitely has talent in a couple weeks. But did he show me a lot against a good Notre Dame defense to make me that terrified? I mean, he threw a dart when Notre Dame had 10 men on the field. Like, okay, cool. Uh, and I, I'm I'm just getting very excited that this defense is much better than the very, very good uh, unit I thought it would be. Speaking of best defense in the Big Ten, I do think that the that is the other team that might have a claim to it is Ohio State's defense. They've been playing very well. Um, shut, down Notre, shut down a Notre Dame team that's been scoring all over the place so far this year. That's so true. That's they true. definitely deserve some credit for that. Um yeah, it's this, and you know, it's it's hard to really take too much away against an Iowa offense that's down so bad, right? Like, I think I have in my notes here that I'm, I, like, I know this Penn State defense is really, really good. I know they're one of the, I think, very comfortably one of the top ten defenses in the country. I just am trying to figure out if I will know more before Ohio State. I don't think I will. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think we're really gonna know terribly much about either this defense in particular or the team in particular until we get to Ohio State is that fair I mean you can look at it as there is the two game season within the season but also like 12 games is a crazy small sample size like you know we're a quarter of the way through the season we kind of have to start drawing conclusions based upon what we've seen and what we've seen is is really really good do you think Kalen King's bored Cade McNamara only completed five passes in this game. Kalen King has not had a whole lot to do this year. I think Kalen King is bored in the kind of way where, like, you're so... Like, Nick, did you grow up with younger cousins? I did. Like, you're playing a board game at Christmas with your younger cousins, and they, like, don't understand, like, what the (laughs) rules are yet. Or, like, Mario Party. Like, if you're playing Mario Party with, like, a younger cousin, uh, and, like, the younger cousin, like, doesn't, like, understand, like, the A and the B button on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, Nintendo, not a sponsor, but they could be. Um, GameCube, not a sponsor, could be, specifically. That's true. That's That's a good point. Uh, It feels like that's what Kalen King kind of is right now. Like, he is just bored, uh, but in a way that's probably really enjoyable for him. Yeah, that's right. And you know, he's such he's such an active tackler too. I'm sure he's really mm-hmm. enjoying getting to focus more specifically on that role. Um Matt, I want to know what is your favorite stat from this game? There's a lot to focus so on many. here. And it could be it could be anything that we've already talked about. It could be the fact that um, you know, Iowa was the first team in five years to get out snapped by 60 plus <laughs> 97 to 33 total snaps in this one. It could be the fact that Brian Ferentz made approximately $93,000 for this game. What's, what's your favorite here? Oh man. Um, the <laughs> Penn State's leading tackler having three tackles is really funny. <laughs> like that in a vacuum is like, what, how is that possible? What do you mean? 
uh, the first Iowa shutout since 2000, I think is really, uh, really yeah. interesting. Like, does it, that predates like the Washington Nationals and like the Memphis Grizzlies, <laughs> uh, the, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, it predates, oh, um, don't it say predates like, it predates like a majority of like the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Um, <laughs> So like that's again like when you put it in that context it's pretty wild uh, like yeah. for how bad uh, it again it's not the Iowa offense's first shutout because the defense scores all the time yeah. uh, but the fact that like Iowa and and Brian Ferentz especially in this season like the twenty five point per game season gets blanked for the first time in like a quarter century is just hilarious that's probably my favorite stat the uh, the twenty three years a... in between shutouts it's a big hit to the drive for three twenty five for sure that is a oh, oh my. Oof. That's a brutal blow to that the the greatest counter of all time in college football. I was telling think, my can wife. I, can I can I can I interrupt quick? Uh, yeah. You think they're done? The Ferrans family after this year? <sighs> no, I don't. Really? I, really? Because I don't. I don't. They're not going to fire. They can't fire him. They like it's Kirk will leave when Kirk wants to leave, and I mean I guess you could maybe make the argument that with the way the conference is about to change, maybe he might consider hanging up because now their free pass to a Big Ten championship game is just dried up. But I don't Do you know. Think Kirk he, has the patience to fly to Seattle. I, I think it's probably more that, that I think it's probably more that this is going to maybe be one of his worst offenses. And is he going to like is his will his personal pride allow him to hang it up with the final season being one that showcased his own son's incompetence and was also the thing that held back his very good defense from being more. Like, I don't think that he'll be able to step down with that being the lasting image of himself. Like, I feel like he might give it one more go, and I think I, I think as long as Kirk, Kirk is there, Brian's there. And, and I was not going to fire him, so I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's done. Mm. Interesting. I think I think I think he doesn't understand why the offense is bad. Like I think he views it as like, oh, the offense has been great. It's just turnovers. Well, like turnovers are part of your offense. I don't. I never understood that. Like Narduzzi said that after the West Virginia game, where it's like yards were equal, but we turned the ball over. I'm like, okay, that's part of the whatever. That's part of the offense. Um, I think like he's cut from that cloth. Where like he doesn't understand why you're mad. Uh, he just knows that you're mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um. I think for me, my favorite, my favorite stat, it's, it's two things in conjunction. It's the, the 45 minutes and 27 seconds of possession combined with only 3.8 yards per rush. And the reason that's my favorite thing that that combination is because like 3.8 yards per rush is not good. Like that's not a good average for Penn state. They're not going to, I don't think like Singleton and Allen, they're not going to be happy with that. But the fact that you were rushing the ball only relatively effectively and still controlled the ball for more than three quarters of game time in this one shows how thoroughly you were dominating them in every other facet of the game. So just in terms of embarrassing Iowa on a national stage because they deserve to be embarrassed. Not the kids. Like the, I'm sure they're all good kids. I hope they go on to have great careers otherwise. But 
Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz deserve to be embarrassed on national television as often as they possibly can. Yes. And that combination of things is that's that is embarrassing for that team that hangs their hat on being able to, you know, not let you run the ball, not let you move the ball effectively on offense. That is an absolute gut punch of embarrassment and it was awesome gonna be really funny uh when they go like nine and three win the big 10 west and nobody learns any lessons from this that's gonna be the best part (laughs) absolutely absolutely it is um so matt what are you know maybe one or two big takeaways that you have from this game as far as the rest of the season is concerned what's one that you might have the penn state run defense i think is fixed Hmm. i feel cap or lowercase f fixed like, I'm, okay. I truly believe they've taken a lot of steps. I think that the defensive tackles are a lot better. I think the linebackers are a lot better. You know, a few plays, you know, notwithstanding, the gap fits from linebackers were really great on Saturday, I thought. Mm-hmm. So that's my number one takeaway on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, it's they're going to hit one big run, and then I think the floodgates are going to open because I think teams – might be getting a little bit bored with the Penn State rushing attack after watching like what Aller was able to do when teams dared him to throw. Yeah. I think we're going to see people, you know, look at the stats and say, well, Singleton hasn't ripped his, his biggest run of the year is what, 19 yards? He, you know, he's not ripping big ones anymore. And then I think he's going to rip a big one. Yeah. I think that that's going to be something that's going to be really fun when it finally happens. Yeah. Yeah. I could very easily see that. It's, you know, the season started with. West Virginia saying we're going to make Drew Aller beat us and I think the more after these last two games like you said teams have seen that Drew Aller's and Mike Yersich are very willing to say okay cool yeah yeah we'll take those seven yards and just keep moving um you're right so eventually something is going to break either there's a hole for Singleton's going to be wide open or Lambert Smith's going to get loose deep again like something something's going to break in a very big and notable way um I think for me, Matt, my first takeaway is that despite what I've said before, I think that from what I've seen from this team combined with what we've seen in the rest of the conference, I'm starting to believe that this team is ready to, they're ready to do the thing. Like I, whoa, Nick, are you in the window? Are you on board? (laughs) I am starting to believe more and more. Again, the beginning of the year, I said they were going to beat Michigan at home. I am really starting to think that they are have a really, really good chance of doing that and going to Columbus and winning. So, wow. Totally exonerated. No wrongdoing. We'll, we'll see. Wow. Do you have any other takeaways from this one? I have one more. Uh, no, I mean, I kind of hit my two big ones at the top. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I, I still don't think they're going to go undefeated. Like, the loss is going to be in there somewhere. I just think sure. that it's really hard to do. But... I uh, no, I won't make that point. I'll make that point when the time comes. Um, yeah, okay. I, I think that they can, they can. I put it at like sixty percent. They beat Michigan at home, and I'm willing to move it to like a toss up. They beat Ohio State on the road. Okay, okay. Um, for me, the other takeaway is, despite all that, I still don't feel like I'm going to really know what this team is until Ohio State, and that's just because mm-hmm. of how the schedule is set up. Like they just haven't had to face a team that is 
competent both offensively and defensively yet. We've seen it happen, you know, <laughs> the, on the bar is competence for the Big Ten West. <laughs> We've seen it happen on both sides of the ball at times. We haven't seen it all together. Obviously, Ohio State will be the first real test of that because this week they go to Northwestern, then they have the bye, then they face UMass, and then they will go to Columbus. So um, we'll see in that regard. But uh, like I said, despite the fact that I I am starting to believe that they will be able to have a really good chance to run the table. I also don't really know for sure if I know what this team is, nor do I think I will until we get to Columbus. So um, that, that's do you have a my win total team. prediction. A win total? Yeah, you set it at eleven and one. Still, what do you think is most likely then? Ten and two, eleven and one, or twelve and zero? I mean, I think eleven and one is still most likely, but I think that twelve and zero is more likely than ten and two. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, I like it. Um. Last thing I want to discuss Penn State related here before we do a quick look around the Big Ten. I got texted this question by a Penn State buddy asking, was this the most complete Penn State James Franklin game in a ranked versus ranked situation? So, you know, that rules out Ohio State 2016 because Penn State was not ranked. For me, the other contenders that I could think of off the top I thought of 2017 Ohio State, even though Penn State lost that game. Um, it I More so than a defensive breakdown, I feel like it was more just JT Barrett going God mode. So I thought that was a really well-played game by Penn State. Um, 2017 Michigan is up there as well. They destroyed the Wolverines in Happy Valley. Uh, this past year, the Rose Bowl against Utah, I put mm-hmm. a question mark there because Cam Rising did get hurt. So eh. um, Memphis, the Cotton Bowl, 2019, again, Group of five teams, so kind of a little caveat there, but Memphis was still a very good team, and Penn State thoroughly dominated them in that one. Um, And then I also thought the Fiesta Bowl against Washington. Now, I think it's probably fair to say maybe we should remove bowl games from this conversation because, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember if anyone notable sat out for Memphis. I don't remember if anyone notable sat out for Washington, but, you know, there's always that caveat as well. So I guess the kind of the big ones for me regular season are those 2017 games. What What are you thinking here? Anytime you shut an opponent out like that and like you win by four scores, that's the most dominant performance, ranked versus ranked, like period. That may have been like the best overall game. Uh, No, that's a bad way to word what I'm trying to say here. Like that may have been the most dominant top 25 win we're ever going to see from Penn State. Mm. It's probably the best way I would word it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think it gets I mean, it's hard to be more dominant. it It doesn't get much better than a shutout with it. What was it? A five to zero. Uh, turnover ratio or four to zero four uh, to zero hard. they they fumbled yeah. six times they got two of them back so yeah yeah it's hard to be more dominant than than that yeah yeah i'd agree i i think i would lean this one and maybe it's just some recency bias also because you know the fact that they did only average like they didn't reach 400 yards offensively makes me think ah, like is that dominance but again then there was also like they weren't necessarily trying to reach 400 yards. Like they were just, they could they were willing they to eat to. clock. Yeah, they could have, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think it probably is, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. It's a fun chance to look back on some of those other performances as well. Um, Matt, I think we should take a moment here. We talked about this kind of the state of the big 10 a couple weeks ago. I think we should take this chance to 
look around what happened this week because you know going forward now we're almost almost basically an exclusively Big Ten play at this point um, after this week. So I think it's good to you know do this on a weekly basis now. Um, just really yep. quick going around the conference. I'll just read them off and then we'll talk about you know anything that stood out to you that you want to talk about from the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin beat Purdue thirty-eight to seventeen. That was on Friday. Michigan beat Rutgers 31-7. Rutgers did lead in that game, scored first, but uh, obviously did not hold it. Illinois struggled. They covered, F- that, sp- they covered that spread. Go- they covered, yeah, that, covered spread. that spread, though. Go Rutgers. Illinois struggled a bit with FAU 23-17, but they did get the win. Maryland uh, demoralized Michigan State 31-9. Michigan State looked awful. Nebraska got on the got on the board with a 28-14 win over, a La, over La Tech. Ohio State, probably one we'll talk about here in a second, won 17-14 over Notre Dame with a last-second touchdown where Notre Dame decided that it'd be more fun to play with 10 people instead of 11. Indiana won in four overtimes against our old buddy Joe Moorhead in Akron 29-27. Gutting really wanted to see Joe Mo pull that one, pull that one out. And then Northwestern won 37-34 over Minnesota, also in overtime. Northwestern trailed by 21 points in the fourth quarter in that one um, and came back and won. So I, I don't know if that says more about Minnesota or Northwestern, but certainly certainly interesting. What from the uh, Big Ten this week do you want to talk about? Oh, my God. Um, September, Maryland, great. Like, take care of business. <laughs> uh, Michigan State, uh, I'm really starting to wonder what that Ford Field um, mm. Black Friday uh, crowd mix is going to look like, yeah. uh, especially if Penn State can clinch the Big Ten East that night. I'm very mm-hmm. curious about that. Uh, Rutgers, competence, making progress, looking yeah. fine. They're going to scare somebody. Maryland, I think, is going to scare one of the big three pretty uh, pretty convincingly this year. I think Maryland's better they than could. I think you know we realize. Uh, Nebraska, you know, good, get a win. Uh, put Michigan just in like a slop fest next week. That'll be really funny. Ohio mm-hmm. State, um, Man, you uh, got very lucky with uh, with 10 players on that field there. That's a game probably should have lost. But uh, I am very into the college football empires map. So uh, a lot <laughs> of land now comes up for grabs if Penn State That's can true. beat Ohio State in a couple weeks. I think, uh, you know, I think the Big Ten's the big three and then Maryland and then maybe a really, really, really big gap. Yeah. Um Maybe by the end of the year, the gap won't be so big with Wisconsin coming up towards the, you know, because Wisconsin was always going to take a little time, you know, new coach, yep. new offense, all that stuff. So, and that Wazoo they, team is good. I think that Wazoo yeah. team is, we're going to look back on that loss as, as different than it, you know, is thought of right now. Yeah. Wazoo is legit. That's, that's by no means a bad loss. So, I, I would expect Wisconsin to maybe close the gap a bit. And, you know, again, with, with Maryland, it's the same thing every year, right? Like, they'll, we'll believe that they're for real when they can do it for a full season because they, like you said, September Maryland, they're great in September unless they play Penn State on a Friday night. Um, but they got to prove it over a full season. That's been their struggle. You know, Talia mm-hmm. staying healthy, the offensive line being able to keep them upright, that's been their struggle all year long. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think the... <sighs> The Ohio State game, Notre Dame game was, uh, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of it, obviously, because it was on the same time as Penn State. You know, hold, like I said before, holding Notre Dame to 14 points, 351 total yards, that's impressive. That's impressive for Jim Knowles' mm-hmm. defense. Like I think that is probably the thing that's more scary right now to me about Ohio State than their offense is their defense. Like they, they are, they're playing really well, and I think with the offense, it's still just a matter of time. Like I think McCord has looked a little bit better each week. Obviously you still have Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and Julian Fleming. You got plenty of weapons. You got, uh, 
uh, Kate Stover at tight end. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot there to throw to. There's so I think to like. the off. Mm-hmm. I think the offense is going to find its rhythm, even though Ryan Day is trying to cut promos by challenging, you know, ninety year olds with dementia to fights on live television. But uh, that's if that's what you want to do, man, go for it. <laughs> I think, like, you know what, this weekend kind of confirmed to me. If, what? like, a, a Carnival Barker, like, you know the dunk tanks where the guy in the mm-hmm. dunk tank's really mean to you? Mm-hmm. I think the guy in the dunk tank could convince Ryan Day to spend, like, $1,000 <laughs> in attempts. I think that's what I learned from this weekend, is that Ryan Day uh, can be very easily goaded. Uh, and the fact that it happened to an 86-year-old in the Pat, uh, McAfee show uh, kind of makes me think uh, he's got some inner demons he's fighting right now. Do you follow many Ohio State people on Twitter? Uh, I X, follow uh, I follow I follow I follow Ryan. Um, okay, that's like the big one right now because he's just hilarious. I'm, I'm uh, trying. What I'm what I'm getting. Ohio is, State I'm... no Ohio State fans had this weird thing where they make like superhero Buckeye accounts, like like Boba <laughs> Fett as a Buckeye, and it's really weird. Like like I don't know why. Like Penn State fans on Twitter are like famous for being weird. Like we have Treb. We have the toaster. We had we had real pen live. Uh, meanwhile, Ohio State fans are like, if you don't root for Ohio State, like you're supporting, um, like the the empire. Like it's like really <laughs> weird stuff. So I try to avoid it as much as possible. Uh, so uh, what, I, what I'm again, getting at is, just, I'm, I'm okay, curious. Sorry, I'm curious um, what you've seen as far as like the pulse of their fan base about what Ryan Day said. Obviously, they're all hyped up about winning the game. But, like, are their fans, like, are they, like, ready to, like, go to war after what Ryan Day said post-game? Or are they, like, or is this just more fuel for the Ryan Day's Charmin Soft that they already think is true and they just think he's even lamer after doing that? Like, the, the, the knock on Ryan Day is that, like, listen, he's soft. He can't get over the hump. Like, he was born on third base. Yeah. Uh, and you whining... That, like, saying you were born on third base is mean to you doesn't really, like, move the needle. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think Ryan Day is going to be great as the next coach of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> oh, we shall see. We shall see what happens there. Uh, Matt, before we get out of here for today, any final thoughts on anything Big Ten-related, Penn State-Iowa-related, anything you can think of? Uh, Northwestern next week. Uh, if you're coming to the game, um, welcome to Chicago. It's a great city. Uh, I have a ton of recommendations. If you want like food recommendations, things to do, uh, you know, tweet at me at mattflip42. You can hit me in the DMs. Same thing with the blog. If you follow the blog and you want Rex, uh, hit me up there. Uh, and I'm excited. I have a bunch of friends coming into town. Uh, you know, the Northwestern nooner is a bit tough, but it gives me a shot to uh, to go to my favorite breakfast spot before the game. So I'm I'm very much so looking forward to uh, to the game in Evanston this weekend. There you go. Once again, we are, you know, ecstatic at Penn State's 31 nothing win over Iowa. It's dominated in every single facet. We very much enjoyed watching it. We hope you did too, and we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it because um, that's going to do it for us here tonight at Roar Lions Roar. Real quick, if you are not already subscribed, like I said at the top, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a five-star review if you can. Use the Q&A feature on Spotify. Yes, we are seeing those. We're usually going to weave those questions that we see into uh, previews rather than recaps because that makes a little more sense just flow-wise for us. Um, But please continue to use that. We are seeing them, and um, 
respond to them when we can. Um, and then also, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you like, follow, and uh, hit the alert bell for all our videos so you can don't have to miss any of that content uh, because you can see our faces and see us laughing about Iowa rather than just hearing us laugh about Iowa. It's a whole different experience. Highly recommend. And finally, if you uh, make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com, use that code RLR23 for 15% off your first order. That is going to do it for us. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry, Nick. I forgot something. Hit me. I got a note from Bill, uh, and he asked me to start the pod with a statement, and I forgot about it. So now we'll mm. end the pod with the state statement. Um, so uh, this is coming from a friend of the show, Bill DeFilippo, not a sponsor, but he could be. Um, he said LMAO uh, with 31 O's regarding mm. this game. So mm. there's that. Excellent. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, and our write-in here tonight, Bill DeFilippo, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.